It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCBC Camino. Today is Wednesday, December 28th. This is your KVMR Evening News. Anxiety over California's drought is ratcheting up, and residents who get their water from wells are seeing those sources dwindle. Up ahead, the California report looks at the depths some now must drill to have water on their property. Then, National Native News heads to South Dakota to see how the severe winter storms of the past two weeks have affected the Rosebud Tribal Area. On December 16th, the final environmental impact report for the proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine was released. KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller examines one potential impact of the mine's reopening, acid mine drainage. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. Most Californians are feeling the effects of the drought. But in big areas of the state where people rely on groundwater, the pain of this drought is especially severe. Wells are going dry and there's intense competition to find more water that's underground. My California Report co-host Saul Gonzalez wanted to see what that looked like. So he went to the San Joaquin Valley. I'm standing by a mobile drilling rig in a rural area about 30 miles north of Fresno. I can see and feel the drill pipe rotating as it burrows deeper and deeper into the earth in search of untapped reservoirs of groundwater. If it's found, the water will be used by nearby homeowners whose first well has gone dry. And like many people in this part of California who aren't hooked up to municipal water systems, no well water means no water, period. Daniel Reese is the drilling supervisor here. This area here, we won't, realistically, we will not hit water until about 38400. 38400 feet? Yes, that's a fortunate side. Unfortunate, Reese says, because in the past, drilling to such depths to find groundwater would have been rare. These existing wells from these homes 15, 25 years ago were only drilled down to about 200, 300 max. Why drill deeper to hit water? Well, drought, of course. Both the one we're in and past ones. Less rain means it's harder for aquifers to get recharged. So there's a kind of race in the San Joaquin Valley now between property owners and farmers to drill deeper and tap the water that remains. In a sense, a lot of straws are going into the ground to get to that water. And some people win and some people lose. The deepest straw gets the water. That's absolutely how it works. That's Tom Collishaw of Visalia-based Self-Help Enterprises. It's a nonprofit that provides emergency water services and low-interest loans for private well construction in the San Joaquin Valley. Collishaw says one huge challenge is the soaring cost of drilling, as demand increases and plentiful groundwater is more difficult to find. And well drilling right now, just a domestic well on a single-family household uh, lot, is costing $60,000 where three years ago, maybe we were paying $25,000. So what do you do if you can't afford a drill or you need to wait until a drilling crew arrives? That's when many put in giant tanks filled with trucked-in water. So we're installing a temporary 2,500-gallon water tank. Uh, and we'll get them temporary water until they can come up with a permanent solution for water, either be a new well or connection to some sort of city infrastructure, which I don't think is out here, so... That's water tank installation contractor Brandon Jones. He says his company installs as many as five tanks a day. When I meet him, he and his crew are at a home east of Isalia. 
The homeowner, Michelle, who doesn't want her last name used, says she hasn't had water since June when her well went dry. Uh, what's it like when a well goes dry? It was, you turn on the faucet and nothing came out. Michelle is happy the tank is finally here, so she and her family can bathe, flush toilets, and cook. But... This is a band-aid until we're able to drill a new well and hopefully find water. And when does that work start, do you hope, or do you think? Well, when we get people to call us back and actually come give us an estimate, we'll know. Oh, really? Because it's just so hard to get through, there's right? So, there are so many people in the same situation that everyone is extremely busy. But another problem, even if a property owner or community drills a successful well, the water that's found could be contaminated. That's been a years-long issue in mostly poor and Latino communities in the valley, like Ducor, population just over 600. There's groundwater here, but the water's too dangerous to consume because of decades of pesticide runoff from agriculture. I talk about that with resident Eliseo Aldaco as he waters his yard. It's water that's safe for the plants, but not to drink. No, can't drink it. You can maybe even smell it. So what do you do for drinking water? Just, um buy bottled water and that's just a constant thing i mean um, that's yeah, it. i mean every 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 week yeah you got to buy the water for the week so what's ahead for the san joaquin valley and the quantity and quality of its groundwater well cleanup efforts of tainted aquifers are slow or non-existent the state is also implementing a massive groundwater management plan but that will take years to see results Meanwhile, the search for increasingly scarce groundwater continues. Back at his drilling site, Daniel Reese says he has a long line of desperate customers who are waiting. I'm averaging right now five to six months out. That's actually a pretty decent number. We're, we're pushing it. We're pushing it. But Reese says he cautions his clients that just because he drills, it doesn't mean the water will actually be found, no matter how deep he goes. That was my California Report co-host Saul Gonzalez reporting earlier this year from the San Joaquin Valley. California's bighorn sheep population will soon be getting some help in dealing with the state's drought. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi explains. A project is underway to build nearly 100 artificial watering holes for bighorn sheep in San Bernardino, Riverside, and Inyo counties. Ecologist James Cornett has taught a course on bighorn sheep at UC Riverside. He says the drought has dried up many of the spots with water for the animals. The sheep are less healthy than they used to be, and then they are more likely to contract diseases from domestic livestock and are more likely to spread it because they're crowded into fewer and fewer water holes. Cornett says the idea of artificial watering holes should help. It can only help bighorn sheep. The caveat, though, is that if you're going to do this, you have to be willing to commit to maintaining those water holes in perpetuity. The Pasadena-based nonprofit Society for the Conservation of Bighorn Sheep is working with the State Department of Fish and Wildlife on the project. Each site will have one or two large water storage tanks, which can hold more than 2,000 gallons of water each. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health, on the web at chcf.org lbca. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, December 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. Coming up, National Native News heads to South Dakota, where recovery efforts are well underway throughout the Rosebud Tribal Area. However, the extreme wind, snow, ice, and cold of the last two weeks means that recovery may take a while. The tribe is coming to terms with heading into the two coldest months of the year already struggling to regain their footing. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Rosebud tribal members continue to dig out from winter storms. Some are hauling wood to keep community members warm, while truck drivers deliver propane to residents. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's Lee Strubinger has more. Wayne and Alex Romero Frederick load firewood onto a trailer just north of T. The Lakotas from Oak Creek traveled to Sioux Falls to gather wood and other provisions to bring back to their neighbors. Alex says they've dealt with extreme wind, snow, ice, and cold the last two weeks. A lot of the firewood that was stored, you know, we can't get to. Um, a lot of the creeks are, are snowed in so deep that we can't get down to them to cut wood. So um, a lot of people ran out of wood. Wayne sits on the Rosebud Tribal Council. He says recovery efforts could take a while, especially as the region anticipates the two coldest months of the year. The broken pipes, the houses that have, have been uh, lost, that's just the material things. You know, and, we're, and we've lost some people. Both Rosebud and neighboring Pine Ridge were slammed with back-to-back winter storms this December. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem activated the National Guard last week. Efforts to haul firewood from the Black Hills to Pine Ridge and Rosebud, as well as help with snow removal, are ongoing. Travis Eagle Deer is the general manager for Suchangu Propane. He says the company is focusing on larger communities with the most homes in need of propane. Eagle Deer says there's no shortage of propane, rather an issue of getting trucks through narrow paths with snowdrifts on either side of the road. We're slowly working, removing snow, just so we could get access to certain homes. And there'll probably still be a bit before we could get to some of the homes around the area. Eagle Deer asks residents to keep paths to their propane tanks clear and to widen their driveways if possible. I'm Lee Strubinger. A new committee led by the Interior Department recently began work to identify place names, consider derogatory, and to recommend potential replacements. KNBA's Hannah Bissett reports. On December 7th and 8th, the Advisory Committee of Reconciliation and Place Names met for the first time. Secretary Deb Holland hopes the committee will accelerate a critical process in derogatory place names. One year ago, I issued the secretary's order that created this advisory committee to help us ensure that America's public lands are welcoming to everyone. In this meeting, they discuss what the term derogatory means, creating subcommittees, and detailing future plans. On the topic of the term derogatory, Federico Mosqueda said the following. We as a committee, we need to challenge this definition. What we need to do is we just need to take the names that we consider derogatory to us, challenge that name using their definition. He says this is important to push the point home by using experience and emotion to express the inappropriate nature of these place names and their hurtful histories. 
The proposed subcommittees were the following, the federal land unit names, the geographic feature names, and the processes and principles subcommittee. At least in the federal land unit name subcommittee, uh, there is um, a list almost ready to go to provide that subcommittee. That was Joshua Winchell, staff director of the National Park System Advisory Board. Winchell says it's important to have these subcommittees because they deal with different methods. We renamed the state park Sumeg Yurok name uh, last year, and that even after the Park and Recreation Commission acted on that, it had to go to the um, federal government. The general public will be able to provide input. I'm Hannah Bissett. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. What if someone said you owe money to the IRS and have to pay with a gift card? Or they ask for a gift card so you can avoid going to jail? Stop. It's a scam. Gift cards are for gifts, not payments. Report scams at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Let's take a look at today's local news. Prosecutors have tied accused Stockton serial killer Wesley Brownlee to four more slayings in Alameda and San Joaquin counties, bringing the death toll to seven. The Sacramento Bee reports San Joaquin County District Attorney's prosecutors filed the new murder charges today, two months after 43-year-old Brownlee's arrest in a string of deadly shootings that shook the city. Brownlee was formally charged in October with three counts of murder in the deaths of Jonathan Hernandez Rodriguez, Juan Cruz, and Lawrence Lopez Sr. In the new 11-page complaint filed today, prosecutors say Brownlee fatally shot four additional victims. Juan Alexander Vasquez and Mervyn Harmon were gunned down days apart in April 2021. The same day Harmon was killed in Oakland, Natasha Latour was shot 10 times as she camped alongside rail tracks in downtown Stockton. Latour somehow survived the shooting. Prosecutors also added Latour's attempted murder to their new list of charges. Two more murders would follow. On July 8th, San Joaquin Authority say Brownlee struck again, this time shooting dead Paul Alexander Yaw in Stockton. Then, in August, Salvador William Dabuti Jr. was shot and killed in Stockton. Stockton, San Joaquin, and federal investigators worked for months to pin down the shadowy figure, captured only on surveillance footage. They found their big break in October, when ballistics tests tied a single weapon to the killings. More tips came in from residents who saw the security camera's images showing the man later identified as Brownlee. Brownlee was arrested in October during a traffic stop near Stockton's Pinella Park, close to a home where Brownlee once lived and within a couple of miles of five of the deadly Stockton shootings. Brownlee returns January 3rd to San Joaquin Superior Court for further arraignment. In 2022, Nevada, Placer, and Yuba counties partnered to create a Disaster Livestock Access Program. The program supports the safe evacuation of livestock from commercial ranch operations during a disaster such as a wildfire. 
The multi-jurisdictional program was recognized with a 2022 Challenge Award by the California State Association of Counties, or CSAC. CSAC received 370 entries, of which 18 were selected to receive a 2022 Challenge Award. Nevada County's Disaster Livestock Access Program received a 2022 Challenge Award in the Rural Disaster and Emergency Response category. Over 75 individuals are now certified with Livestock Access Pass Cards for when disaster hits. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service, skies have cleared in the wake of yesterday's storm, allowing the development of fog and low clouds in some areas. Besides a few lingering snow showers over the High Sierra early this morning, Northern California will see a break from precipitation today, allowing creeks and streams a chance to recede. But that break won't be long, as the next weather system comes tonight, beginning an extended stretch of wet weather that will last into the weekend. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight showers mainly after 3 a.m., steady temperature around 38 degrees. Thursday, showers with a high near 45. The National Weather Service has issued a flood watch in effect from Friday morning through late Saturday night. The impending excessive rainfall is expected to cause flooding in Nevada County. Be alert for possible flood warnings and advisories. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, increasing clouds with snow likely after 4 a.m. and a low around 18 degrees. Thursday, snow with a high near 36. New snow accumulation of 1 to 2 inches is possible. The National Weather Service reports a quick-hitting storm will roll in Thursday, followed by a significant storm over New Year's weekend. Saturday will see the most precipitation. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, showers mainly after 4 a.m. with a low around 43 degrees. Thursday, cloudy with showers mainly after 2 p.m. and a high near 51. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The final environmental impact report for the proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine covers many possible impacts of renewed mining activity. One such possible impact is acid mine drainage. KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller explains what exactly acid mine drainage is. When we pick up a rock, it takes some effort. That effort is telling us something. It tells us that the rock would rather be down on the ground. Lifting that rock took energy, energy to fight the rock's preference to be down on the ground. But that energy is not lost. We can get that energy back simply by letting the rock do what it wants, letting the rock fall back down to the ground. To make use of that energy we get back, we could put a walnut down on the ground and drop the rock on it to crack the walnut. We, by we I mean everything alive, We, all the time, use energy to make other things do what we want, rather than what they would prefer. Our bodies, for instance, keep us alive by rearranging atoms. The atoms that are glued together to make carbon dioxide are quite happy to be glued together that way. Same for the atoms in water. But then along come green plants. Green plants use the energy in sunlight to rip apart the atoms in carbon dioxide, rip apart the atoms in water and rearrange those atoms to make sugar. The atoms in sugar would much rather be back in carbon dioxide, back in water, and they would slowly, very slowly, rearrange themselves back to carbon dioxide and water, if we gave them the chance. But we eat that sugar, 
and quickly rearrange the atoms back into carbon dioxide and water. And we use the energy they give off to keep ourselves alive. Let's look at that rock again. That rock really wants to sit on the ground. But suppose we were to carry that rock up to the International Space Station. The space station's orbit cancels out gravity. People don't walk around on the space station. They float. That rock we brought up to the space station, it too floats. And you cannot smash any walnuts with a rock that floats. Same goes for food. Here on Earth, the air's got oxygen. And it's oxygen that helps us rearrange the atoms in food back into carbon dioxide and water. But suppose we were on Mars. The Martian air holds no oxygen. And without oxygen, we cannot turn food back to carbon dioxide and water. Deep beneath our feet, deep underground, there's no oxygen to breathe down there either. An interesting mineral found deep underground is iron pyrite, fool's gold. Fool's gold, pyrite, is composed of an atom of iron glued to two atoms of sulfur. Those atoms of iron and sulfur are happy to be glued together in pyrite, so long as they're underground, with no oxygen in sight. But bring pyrite up to the surface, up to where there's lots of oxygen, and all bets are off. Surrounded by oxygen, iron and sulfur don't feel so attracted to one another. They'd rather be glued to other atoms in other combinations. Combinations like sulfuric acid. Now, this is normally a slow process, but there are bacteria that actually see fool's gold as food. And they turn pyrite into sulfuric acid much faster, much, much faster. Thus, the threat from a reopened mine of acid mine drainage. The possibility of acid mine drainage is one of many environmental threats considered in the final environmental impact report for the Idaho-Maryland mine. I'll talk about others in the very near future. For KVMR, I'm Al Stahler. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, December 28th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Mama Madrone's Eco Emporium, online and on Broad Street in Nevada City, offering a variety of local and artisan jewelry, organic bedding, body care, gifts, and home decor. Online store and information at mamamadrones.com. And Hanson Brothers Enterprises, since 1953, offering bulk and bagged soils, amendments and fertilizers for gardening needs. Also, excavation, paving, underground utilities and site work services for public, private and commercial enterprises. GoHBE.com The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.